Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I have a very hard sermon, but hard in a good way. You know, the Bible says that the scriptures are profitable. For what? For reproof, for instruction, for rebuke for correction. You see, scriptures are not just profitable for encouragement, to exhort you only, but they are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means for you to be a perfect Christian, for you to mature, or for you to be perfected in the things of God, you need the holistic Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So it's not about just those days when the sermon is acceptable for you. Even when it's hard, you take it in as it is hard. You understand? Because to be a perfect minister, a perfect man or woman of God, it is expedient that you take the word of God whichever way it comes. You know, we have people who have not yet matured enough to take the word the way it comes, if it comes from the Lord. If it comes from the Lord, it is good and it is perfect. It's the only way God will furnish you unto all good works. Because if you don't take it all as it comes, there are certain parts in you that will not be functional. And your maturity and perfections will always be weighed less of where God expects you. So tonight, what I'm going to preach is a bit hard. It's a bit hard, but it's important. This is a message to our generation a message to our generation. Because when things come, like they do, when seasons come and go, when things happen in the earth, either to communities, to nations in the world, or individually, many things come to test and check where we are in God. How we see and relate with God. Because we receive, we all receive the word of God in joy and with joy. We accept it as a word of God and get excited. You know, when they preach a good sermon on faith, you go up fired. When they preach a good sermon on endurance and patience, a good sermon on the blessing of God in your life and positioning the identity that you have in God. It's a very exciting time when you get excited and finally realize who you are in God. And it opens up all these enormous possibilities of all you could be and could have been. And then you position yourself to see that that goodness of God and fulfillment happens in your life. It's a good experience. But many of us don't see or understand that everything you are being taught has a time where it's going to be tested in you. Everything that the Lord will teach you has a time where it's going to be tested in you. But that purification of the word as it comes to test you is to the end that not only will you pass that test, but that you'll be a blessing to the one who one day will be tested through the same. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says that for he comforted us with the very comfort with which he comforted Christ. And Paul says and with the very comfort, we comfort others also. You see? There is a work in God as he comforted Jesus Christ. And that comfort through instruction or impartation was passed unto the disciples. And Paul receives the very comfort with which the Father comforted Christ in his time of test, in his time of trial, in his time of beating. And then Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4, we are comforted in our tribulation that we may also be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 
So you receive something of God. Some of you say, oh, but I went through a bad past in my life. I went through this. I was abused when I was young. I was done this and I was done that. Yes, all of that happened to you. But have you ever noticed that not only is God trying to build you out of it, but he wants you to help somebody one day when they go through what you went through. It's the price. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there are things that will test us. There are people, the Bible says, who are offended when attacks come to them on account of the word. On account of the word. Because they have no root in themselves. And so they endure for a time as tests come and trials. But afterward, when afflictions or persecutions come, the Bible says, on account of the word or for the word's sake, the Bible says they are offended and they fall off. Why? Because there are things that are going to come and test the word of God in you. And if you are rooted, you'll understand, oh, this is not just a doctor's diagnosis. No. This is a test on what I believed. This thing is not coming to sink my business. No. This is a test on what I believed. This thing is not coming to change my family or break my marriage. No. It is testing the things that the Lord taught me many years ago. And when I go, not if, when I go through this and finally beat it, I'll be able to find somebody going through the same thing and I'll tell him, brother, I went through that thing. This is the only way you go out. That's called ministry. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then there are those things God will let you to go through. Peter, I have seen Satan sift you. <laughs> I have seen Satan sift you. He desires you. But I'm not going to pray that this attack on your life leaves you, no. He says, but I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail thee not. For when thou art converted, the Bible says, you will strengthen your brethren. This one, I'm not going to pray that this issue goes out. Uh -uh. I'm going to pray that only you keep faith. And as the faith is kept, one day when you're out of it, when your brothers go through the same thing, you tell them, guys, I've been through that. It's like recently I was dealing with a young minister who was going through persecution and was broken. And he starts to narrate all his ordeal. And I look at him and I start laughing because I'm like, oh my God, this guy is actually repeating something that I have personally gone through. You know, those things when you're beginning in ministry, you know, they write letters and threaten you. One time some guy phoned me somewhere and told me, you're going to abduct you, man, they speak things, you understand? So he's still a babe. There's a way those things can shake you, even take you in prayer. Eh? <laughs> and I remembered also those first days and I felt sorry for the guy. And I just found myself telling him, you know what? Eh? Let me give you the sum of all things because I might waste your time taking you through my journey. But this is the sum of all things. Persecutors never win. And he could believe me. Yeah, he could believe me. So there are things like somebody just can't bring now and I say, oh my God, how? No, there are things I can read or hear and see and I go to sleep. Because sometimes I'm like, hey, but devil, even this cow and again, you're pulling this cow move. You understand? I even get offended. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes some of you don't see that everything that you are learning one day will have its own test. Then somebody can say, mm, that means I should not learn. Because if I learn, I'm tested. Do you know the price of ignorance? When it comes on an ignorant person, it's not coming to test them. It's coming to kill them. That's the difference. Yeah. If you are trained and taught in the way of the Lord, if it comes, it comes to strengthen you. But if it finds you ignorant, it comes to kill you. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. You see? So you choose. Whether you build a fighting chance or it just comes and buries you. Somebody shout hallelujah. But this is a message to our generation. And it comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Jesus had commanded his 12 disciples and he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And now when John heard in prison of the works of Christ, this is John the Baptist, when he heard of the things Jesus Christ was doing, he sent two of his disciples and he said unto them, that thou he that should come, or do we look for another? He's trying to confirm. We are waiting for somebody who is a savior. It's prophesied. I've been doing all my work as John the Baptist, preparing men for a kingdom that is coming. And I know that that kingdom is after a certain man. So John is saying, is this my ministry? Are you the one? Or is it another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and show John those things which you do here and see. If you read in Luke, the scriptures are clear. If you read the same story in Luke, he first did miracles. 
You know, when they asked, are you the one or are you not the one? The account in Luke gives an experience where he starts doing miracles. Goes healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead. He did a lot of miracles. And the Bible says he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits and too many that were blind he gave sight. And after doing the miracles, eh, I want you to follow the story. Are you the one or should we wait for another? Jesus does the miracles. And after doing the miracles, that's when now we get into verse 4. He says, now go show John again those things which you do here and see. And as God tell him what you have seen by what I'm doing. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, as they departed, the Bible says, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. Now, these two have gone to send a message. They've gone to send a message to John the Baptist that this is the guy. This is the message he has sent us with. We saw him healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, but lastly, giving the blind sight. Huh? Like I already told you, that miracle had never happened before. That miracle. And it's the one thing when I started working in the healing ministry, I started to look for, because for me, I knew one of the things that authenticates the anointing of healing on a man is the opening of a blind eye. When I saw the first time I saw an eye see, it changes the way you see life. It changes the way you see life. That's one of the most rare miracles that happened. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so when they depart, and go, Jesus stays with the multitudes. And where we are there, as he stays with the multitudes, the words that he tells them are the most important things that I want to emphasize on today. He said unto them concerning John, what went he out in the wilderness to see? That means that the multitudes that were with Jesus at that time had one or two or three at one time had gone to the wilderness to see this wonder of a voice that was happening somewhere far from civilization. That means John was so famous that at one point somebody or almost all the people in Jerusalem at one point in their lives had gone to John's ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? They'd gone to John's ministry. So the other two have gone and Jesus stays with his disciples and the rest of the people that are with him at that time. Meaning at one point, each one of them had been blessed and touched by his ministry. So they had gone to the wilderness at a certain point, like you make a pilgrimage. And so he asks them that when you went, when you guys, anybody of you who went one day to see or to hear or to relate with John, when you were invited that day, there's a guy in the wilderness speaking things that are so wise. There's a guy in the wilderness prophesying. There's a guy in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. There's a guy in the wilderness putting on animal skin. There's a guy in the wilderness doing this. There's something on him. It's just amazing. The Bible speaks of him as a voice crying out from. That means that the anointing working on John used to go beyond the wilderness and cross borders to places and find people in their homes. That's what the anointing does. There's a way voices are amplified in the spirit. Because you see, you don't just think that you're going to sit in one place and preach and people will hear you. No. There's a way voices are amplified in the spirit. When we started ministry, I told these guys we're going to be on TBN. I knew it. But none asked me how. They believed it. But there is a way our voices have to be amplified. And now we're on TBN. We're on God TV. TBN Europe. We're on Faith TV. We're in UK. We're in Canada. We're everywhere. East Africa, Rwanda, Burundi. Our voices are being amplified. Every morning we write a devotional. It reaches millions of people across the country. Our voices are being amplified. On television right now, people are watching us because our voices are being amplified. You must know how to amplify your voice, whether you're a preacher on the pulpit or you're off the pulpit. Somebody shout hallelujah. So this was a voice crying out from the wilderness and it was a man screaming from afar off the city and civilization. But his voice used to come into the city. Somebody shout hallelujah. But also the Bible says he was like a bright shining light. There was a light on him that used to come off his spirit and it used to light afar. The Bible says he was a burning and shining light. Somebody shout hallelujah. He was a burning and shining light. He was a burning and shining light. Something about him. So, John the Baptist is baptizing people, he's preaching the message, 
And people start going there, you know, to see this light, to see this wonder, to see the things that are happening. There was a presence with this man. There was something he was commanding in the spirit that was so unique. So you see multitudes of people going to him for fellowship or to worship his God or to connect to where he's connected. And then Jesus asks the fundamental question. That's why I said this message is for our generation. It's not just for funeral ministries. When you went to the wilderness, what did you go seeking for? What did you go to see? When you went to church, when a friend invited you to a fellowship, wherever fellowship you went to, or wherever church you went to, when somebody invited you for a prayer meeting, when somebody invited you, you know, for a conference, when somebody invited you to any platform or altar that was exalting the name of God, what did you go seeking? What did you go to see? What was your vision and expectation when you went before an anointed man or an anointed woman of God? There's a fellowship that I sit with pastor friends of mine who are not of this ministry, different ministries. So we come together as a group of men just to, you know, rub shoulders with great people and see how they do their work and sharpens us and helps us hear what's happening in the world and how to pray, not to judge or criticize how we learn from each other. You know, one can come for a week and preach about a topic and then we relate from there. So a group of guys, about 15 men of God. So one of them, as we were speaking, he mentioned something and said, I have noticed that uh, after the lockdown happened in 2020, because of this COVID situation, when they reopened the church, and some churches opened, we didn't open because our numbers were beyond what the government was able to tolerate that time. And they said that when we opened, we noticed that we had lost a lot of members. So I asked him, did you follow up to know why or how you lost those members? And he said, yes. I said, huh? Why? Or how? He said, you know, many during that time were distraught and frustrated because of the season. Many during that time, because they were not able to fellowship and come together as brethren to be one in the presence and allow that oil flow through to convict, to align, to order and direct, many fell off. And another one raised the issue, he said, yeah, for me, I noticed that some of them were so used to a certain care. They needed counseling. They want to come every week, every time they have a problem, they want to come to you for prayer. And so in the days when we're not able to meet, some of them became so cold and when we opened fellowship, they could not rebuild that relationship anymore because they had disconnected from the system of counseling to systems we don't know. Some lost their salvation. Some compromised. Some, you know, are tormented by certain tenants, demon spirits. And so they are working under another spirit. So, yeah, so he says we've lost a lot of members. Um... I could understand what he was saying. But you see, that was the beginning of the apostolic eye. Now I'm speaking from the office. To go and weigh these things before God, to have a full understanding of what was happening in the church. Because you see, when you're apostolic, your vision is on the foundation. We cannot do anything against the truth, but for the truth. No man who is truly apostolic can want to break a ministry or see a ministry go. Your heart always is to see how do we empower these ministries. Like I told you in COVID, we, Fanero, have been feeding hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors. We've been training some of them, praying with some of them, empowering some of them to find things to do. Why? Because we don't want to lose that number. We don't want to lose people. You know, ministers are so selfish sometimes that they want to build their own ministry. Every year, we buy properties for churches. Every year. The Lord knows that. And some of you know. We buy properties for churches. And not because they have our name. No. 
but because we feel that we're obligated by God to do something. The other day I was reading an article, and uh, not far ago, I read an article where Muslim nations build budgets every year to build mosques across the world. And you know the biggest builder of mosques in Uganda this last year and the other year? Turkey. They come and build mosques. And Islam is growing because they are building mosques. But places of worship. Some men are funding the building of mosques. When you go in Europe, they're closing buildings, church buildings, and they're selling them over to mosques and Hindu temples and hospitals and many other things. Churches are closing across the world. And people are building mosques every day. They don't care how many numbers are coming in. They care that there is an altar. That's why we contribute to building, to buying properties for churches. Because it's important for a pastor to have a home. It's very important. Somebody shout hallelujah. And some people can be selfish. Oh, me, I care about my ministry. I don't care beyond. Listen, we're all in one boat. At one time, when we stand before God, you will not be Presbyterian and the other one won't be Methodist. You won't be Pentecostal and the other one will be Evangelical. We're all going to stand before one line as children of God. So something has to be done. The bigger picture, somebody shout hallelujah. So we said people lost their faith. Some disconnected. Some no longer pray. Some no longer fast. Some no longer do this. Some backslid. Some gave in. Some, you know, some did this and that. And so the story went on and on and on and on. And as in, I'm in fellowship praying, of course with tears in my heart before God for the church, the Lord says something. He said, look, this was actually a test. As we are rearranging, as God is rearranging the order and direction of the church, this was actually a test of when men woke up Sunday mornings, Thursdays, and preachings to go to service, what did they go to see? There was a person who went to the presence of God because they needed a husband. When COVID comes, what do you expect? Or when a husband comes, there's somebody who went to church because they had nothing to do. There's somebody who just went in the presence of God because they had problems and said, you know, let me just continue going to church because I have problems. And so when the lockdown comes and some of them are not able to make it there, because what did they go to see when they went to the church of God? What did they go seeking after when they went in the presence of God? And I see that God is not only fine-tuning, but he is realigning us to truly understand what were the summons for? What were the conferences for? Because you see somebody who was screaming and jumping, throwing chairs, you know, you preach so hard and somebody gets a plastic chair, wow, and throws it in there and says, ah, you understand what I'm saying? And it's the same person, they send you a picture and they're in a bar. She's like, what happened to this individual? What happened to this Christian? So for some, they were just a pandemic away from losing their salvation. Some, they were just three months away from attending physical service to lose their salvation. Some were just two weeks away from meeting in church to lose their foundation. Some were just one year away. Only one year was enough to break the whole order of their worship and relationship with God. And then they fall back to pieces. So pastors or ministers who are listening to me now to our generation, what do people come seeking for when they come in the presence of God? Why are you tuning in now? What do you want? What do you really want? Versus what do you need? And do you know what you really need? Somebody shout hallelujah. So he asks them and he says, when you went, what did you go to see? He asked them, did you go to see a reed shaken with the wind? Huh? Did you go to see weakness? Because the literal translation, if you study the Hebrew culture and biblical interpretation, a reed is a representation of legitimacy and authority. Did you go to see whether he was a legitimate prophet or a true prophet? So, you know, some people go to church to check whether the man of God is right or not. There are people who are like that. They just go to check and they can spend a whole year checking whether they're true. And they go to a second year checking whether you're true. And they go to a third year checking. They even get married in the church, produce children, but they're still checking. Make fifth year, sixth year, but they're still checking whether you're a man of God. 
Seventh year, they are still in church. Tenth year, but they are still checking whether you are a man of God. What did you go to see? Did you go to hear God? Or did you go to check the read? Are you in church to study the weaknesses of other believers and to pinpoint people's weaknesses? You know, there are also people like that. Constantly. They are always observant of who is right. You're in the choir and they're looking at your shoe. Somebody's singing. They're looking at their skirt to see whether there's one thing they can catch off. You understand? Eh? They enter like those invigilators we used to have in school. You remember those guys who enter like this? Eh? Like they want to catch you cheating something. You know, we have believers who are like that across. They even enter and say, mm-hmm, I will sit in the back. Well, no, why don't you want to come and sit in front? Please come. No, <laughs> I'm comfortable here. You understand why? Because they're supervising to see. Listen, if you're looking for weakness, you'll find it. Because God does not use strong men. No. He gets weak men and then he uses them. For he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power might be of the man of God. No. He says that might be of God and not of us. Somebody shout hallelujah. There are people who are just there to see whether the choir is singing right. Now COVID comes. You understand what I'm saying? Their whole interpretation and mind on why they were going in the presence of God was already wrong. There are people who go to see, I was told he's like this. Let me go and see whether it's true. You see, I was told this pastor is like this. Let me go and see whether this pastor is the same. You have that time to go and check when you have the Holy Spirit. That's what you ask. That's what you ask. You just ask the Holy Spirit. See, one time, There was a preacher from America that I wanted to invite for a meeting. And the preacher studied the price. If you don't pay me this much, I ain't coming. So I asked them. So, but biblically, so I challenged this preacher from a biblical perspective. In love, and he said, help me understand this. If the scriptures are clear, freely given, freely do you give. And of course, that means that we're not going to honor you. We're honoring ministry. I've never put a minister here and I did not honor them. I've never put a worshiper or a singer or anybody here on my altar and then they didn't honor them. It's our responsibility to honor. Some even refuse, don't. And I say, no, I insist. Give honor to whom honor is due. So I'm agreeable in the giving of the honor. But ask them, that, are you going to say that you're not going to allow a layman to walk, a blind eye to see you, or a marriage to be restored because somebody has not given you a certain price? So this preacher tells me, you see, I do it to check people, to see whether some ministries are serious about their invitation or they are not. Because sometimes people invite us and they're not serious. And I asked this minister, so where is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was supposed to tell you whether a person is serious or not. And I felt that maybe they've not been tested a certain way or they've been so consumed by another spirit that they're able to justify it some way. We've been in meetings where people offer you money and a man tells you, if you come in this meeting for this long, we're going to give you $100,000. They're like, hmm, what can I do in $100,000? And the spirit tells you, don't step there. They're transacting. And you tell them, I'm sorry, I'm busy. So we've had to forego certain offerings because it doesn't sit right by God for us to stand on the altars where our gifts are transacted. Paul says, and what is my reward then? That after I have preached the gospel, I might make it of no charge, lest I abuse my power in the gospel. They honor me awesome. If they don't, I have God. He will use another person. Somebody shout hallelujah. He will use another what? Person. He did not say wheresoever. He did not say wheresoever you sow, you shall reap. He said whatsoever. Never forget that. He did not say wherever you shall sow, you shall reap. It's not on the altar that I sow that I reap. No, it's the seed that I sow that I reap. And it's regardless of any altar. Somebody shout hallelujah. So anyway, back to what I'm trying to emphasize. I'm going deeper. Some come in meetings because he's observing a certain sister. He's coming in church. You understand? Then she chucks him. And he said, what am I even doing in that church? And you know, as a pastor, it's funny because perhaps the same guy a couple of weeks ago came and says, I feel the Lord has impressed it on my heart to submit to your ministry. I don't see any other ministry to submit to a pastor. This is a ministry right here. This is the thing. But his eyes on what? My Irene. Siren says, ah, but I didn't hear God on this marriage. Pew, 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 pew. So the guy runs, you know. Now imagine that kind of mindset is found in a pandemic. What did you go seeking when you went to church? 
So he asks them, and I want you to see God's mind, Christ's mind of why he's speaking to the multitudes that I'm going to see John the Baptist. He tells them that, did you go to see a rich shaken with the wind? Meaning there was something about John the Baptist's ministry that sort of demonstrated a form of weakness. We are not sure what it was fully. There was something on John that was not stable. Otherwise, why would Jesus say, did you go to see that? Because also there are people who want to go and see the weak one. Eh? They tell him, ha, ah, that guy, that woman is a cult. Then they go to see how cult you are. You understand? You have people who are like that. So he said, did you go see a weak reed? Did you go to see a reed shaking with the wind, something unstable? Because perhaps there were voices during that time saying, ah, 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 there's a guy in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people say he does miracles, but ah, some of us think he's unstable. This is a shaking reed. The winds are blowing on any direction. Some people just go to see how mad he is. And he asks them, but when you went out forth to see, verses 8, did you go to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Were you looking for somebody who is very smart, a preacher who dresses a certain way? Eh? If he dresses this way, this is my man of God. It's my woman of God if she dresses a certain way. Did you go to see their dressing? Did you go to see their color? Did you go to see the arrangement of chairs? You know, Paul, I just came to Fanero. Some people say, somebody told me you have a very good production. I just said, let me come and see for myself. Really? You have somebody who goes to the presence of God just to see chairs. You see, what did you go to see? When you go to the presence of God to pray, when you tune in a television station to listen, what are you looking for? Somebody shout hallelujah. And he says, behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But when you went out, what did you go out forth to see? He asked them, a prophet? Did you go to see a prophet? Did you really go to see a man of God? Did you go to connect to somebody connected to God a certain way? And Jesus tells them, and this is a secret, that John was more than a prophet. How many people had the revelation that that voice in the wilderness was more than a prophet? And so some went to see a prophet, some went to see the false guy, some went to see a confused guy eating honey. You understand? Some went to see a guy putting on camel's hair. Some went to see a man who is confused. Some went to just because of the feeling of missing out eh, for more. Something's happening, boo, boo, boo. And then you just find yourself running to it because there is a sound. You understand what I'm saying? It's not even spirit-led. You just want to go there because there's a sound. Boo, 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 boo. Like, I just don't want to miss. There are people who just don't want to miss anything. They want to be on every event. They want to attend everything. Wherever it's burning, they want to be there. Christians are not supposed to be that unstable. You understand? That's why some of you are already in trouble. Because for everyone who preaches, you want to hear everything, you want to see everything, you want every man of God to lay hands on you, you just don't want to miss out on anything. But in exploring, some of you have corrupted your spirits because you're not stable to know. You don't have roots in you to sit. You don't have roots to settle. And unfortunately, I'm going to say this, especially with the church in East Africa. I've been in a few places in West Africa. They're getting it. They understand what it means to sit under a man of God, a local church and sit and settle with one teacher. They understand it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Anyway, so the Bible says that for he was more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare that way. I believe even Malachi prophesies about that. And he says, Verily I say unto you, that none that is born among women has risen greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now he's telling us who John the Baptist is. And I'm sorry to say, many of us actually preach around these portions of scriptures. When you read Matthew 11, we usually used to touch only this. We never used to see God's opinion through the whole chapter to the full to see what is he telling us. And I'm going to show you something amazing. And from days of John, the kingdom has suffered violence and the violent take it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, that's deep, to realize that the guy you hear who is crazy in the wilderness, all the prophets of old and the law prophesied until him. When we get to the dispensation of John, there is nothing deeper. There is nothing deeper than John in his dispensation. But how many people stayed in Jerusalem? Or how many people came with a report? <laughs> That's an unstable read. The wind is blowing. You look at it, how he's dressing. Why? Because in Jerusalem, how the Sadducees, Pharisees were dressing was magnificent. Not that you should dress funny next time and put on a t-shirt that goes down like this and say, I don't care, me, I'm like John. You understand? No, the Bible is very clear. You must beautify the temple of God. 
must be magnificent and your body is the temple of the Lord. But that's not why we listen to ministers. That's not why we go to church. We don't go to church because they have nice lights. We don't connect to churches because they speak very well. No, 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 no. We connect to the presence of God for something bigger. And I'm talking about majority of the believers across the world because I was amazed at the vision God gave me. He showed me a people. And then he showed me two groups of people. And I was like lifted up in the sky. And I could see the Christians. And he showed me one group like this and another small group. And he said, these seek me for who I am. These are seeking after the way of the world. What they're seeking to see what they're seeking for when they come in my presence is not my heart and revelation. And it's so funny that when you say that, everyone looks at who they're talking about. But years prove why you are in the presence. Years test you. 10, 15 years, 5 years, 2 years, you can tell what really was in that person's head. It always comes out. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so the pandemic has proved us. What were we looking for when we went to church? What is that that could disconnect us from the love of God and His fellowship? because of a pandemic. What price are you willing to pay to keep the fellowship? Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, and if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. That means it comes in the spirit of Elijah. Now he's telling them a revelation of who John the Baptist is. I wonder whether the people that were with John at that point, who even was stayed to serve, knew who John was. I wonder whether they knew who he was. Somebody shout hallelujah. And Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is something you're either able to understand or not able. And we understand if you don't. And he goes in the next verse. He says, but what unto shall I liken to this generation? So I say, this is a message to our generation. He says, it's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and you've not danced. We have mourned unto you and you've not lamented. They are so, so, so entitled. And they easily break relationship because you do not fulfill a certain part. How could I blow the pipe and you did not dance? How come when we mourned, you did not lament with us? Somebody leaves a church because their pastor did not attend their wedding. That's the generation you're living in. Somebody leaves a church because their pastor did not attend their vigil. Somebody leaves a church because their pastor did not contribute to their wedding. Somebody leaves a church because the pastor was not there when they gave birth to their firstborn. We expected you of all pastors to be there when we were giving birth. What a generation. What a generation. What a generation. I imagine if Elisha was like that, following a man who tells him, Terry, here, I'm going. If that was our generation kid, they'll say, like, after all I have done for you. Like, you think I don't know you're going? Caleb, eh? men of God, they can't appreciate. You mean I'm so dumb and I can't see in the spirit to know that you're going to leave me? Elijah, you're bad-hearted. I don't even know why I submitted to this man. How can he be so insensitive? I left my family. I left my relatives. I left my business. I perhaps even left like a girlfriend somewhere. And then I followed you all the way. And I've served you faithfully as a servant. And now I'm here at the point where I know you're being taken. Even the sons of the prophets are telling me everywhere. But you even have the audacity to say, you stay. In fact, one time I heard a preacher saying, prophets don't want to leave their mantles. That is why Elijah was telling Elisha, stay. That's false interpretation. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true, man of God. It's not true. It's not true. You can't prove it in scripture. How many prophets went with their mantles? <laughs> How many do you know? He has no background, but he's probably also a complaining person in his generation. Our spiritual fathers are selfish. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but if Elisha was mature enough to know that this was a test, Mm, this was a test. The Bible says, and all these must be proved. One time somebody came and said, you know, I want you to release me. I said, but you know, releasing is not the problem. Me, you can't go to any church. But this is my conclusion about you. You've not been proved. And whether you leave this church or go in another place, you need to be proved. Because there are people, they've not served enough. They don't have it. It's not in them. They don't know what it's like to serve an anointing. They don't understand what it means to serve under all circumstances. They cannot stretch themselves beyond a certain place. Oh, they tell her, oh, you did this wrong. I'm leaving that church. How could they say I did this wrong? You understand? So why is she leaving a church? Why is he leaving a church? Because somebody pointed the finger that they did wrong. This is the generation. How would you not dance when I'm blowing the pipe? Huh? How would I mourn and then you don't lament? I'm not your friend. 
I don't belong to your church anymore, pastor. No pastor should do this. <laughs> I wish people studied Jesus. I just wish they studied Jesus. A woman comes to Jesus with a sick child. She tells him, I have a child who is sick. And I need you to lay hands on them. And he says, woman, I was not sent to Gentiles. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent to you. Ha! Huh? Our generation? No, 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 no. Let me speak my mind. You say you're a son of God. Hmm? When you were born again, that you have the Holy Spirit. You're the Redeemer, Savior. How can you be so insensitive? Which God, mm -mm. which God can, and I'm a single mother, you understand what I'm saying? But that's not where Jesus is. That's not where he is. He's saying there's something I want to come out of you because if he does, it's going to teach a certain generation. And this woman has a certain wisdom and he says, uh-uh, even if you're talking about crumbs on the floor, if I'm a dog and healing is the children's bread at least let the crumbs fall of that bread still as a dog i can eat and he says i have not seen such great faith and the bible says her daughter was made whole that very hour can you believe it the moment that woman did it eh, jesus didn't need to go to her house to heal her her child was made whole that very hour and she because she persisted on understanding how the way of faith works, she left a story. She wrote history by that one act. Some of you are just seconds from writing history. Some of us were just seconds from writing history and doing something that will break our houses to a revival, that would help our businesses revive, that would have brought healing in our bodies. But at that point when we were supposed to have stayed a bit long, we disconnected. I'm not talking about Fenero. I'm talking about every Christian who's going to be able to watch this someone after. Regardless of whichever church you belong to. Jesus says this is the generation. Unfortunately, this is the generation that is so entitled. Huh? Somebody says, oh, you know, I wrote him text. He didn't answer. I said, I don't think I belong to this church. Because a pastor didn't answer your text. Somebody gets annoyed. How could he not this? How could he not answer? Listen. We are men of God. Number one, never think. I even told this to my wife and I told her, look, some people think that the grace operating on our lives is only exclusive to them. It's not exclusive to them. Even my wife knows that the grace operating on my life is not only for her. It's not even for you only, my spiritual children and pastors. It goes beyond. It's not exclusively only to you. And we have priorities. Let me give you an example. Somebody loses a person. Somebody has died. And I feel that as a pastor, I need to go and be with a lamenting family. Right? And then you excuse yourself on a wedding. You say, please allow me to go. I have a pressing need. I don't want to tell you where I'm going. But I've waited and realized that a mourning household needs me more. Or a dying woman in Nakasura Hospital needs me more right now. You're healthy and you're happy. I've sat here for two hours. And as you move out, somebody says, but pastor, how could you walk away? How could you walk away from her? You understand? And I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? Should I let a dying mother go into the coffin because I need to be there for you on your daughter's birthday? And because I didn't attend your daughter's birthday, so that means I'm not a pastor. That's the generation. That's what they're doing to their men of God. That's what they're doing to their men of God. How many would Jesus serve at a go? How many weddings did you read Jesus attended? Oh, so imagine, in that generation, they would say, mm, that one, we didn't even come to my wedding. How can I go? You understand what I'm saying? How many birthday parties did Jesus attend? How many bridal showers did the Son of God attend? How many baby showers did he go to? And the Bible says, whom you do not see, but yet you love. Whom you have not seen, but yet you love. Why? Because what took you to the church? Did you go because you wanted somebody to call you every month and give you the WhatsApp number? Or you went to church because you want God? Why did you go there? That's the generation. That's the generation. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the generation. And the same generation is so judgmental. They judge everything the men and women do. That's the 
this generation, they are suspicious about every man of God in the world and every woman of God. When John came, neither eating nor drinking, verses 18, they said he has a devil. When Jesus came eating and drinking, they say he's a man who is gluttonous, a wine biber, a friend of publicans and sinners. They are never satisfied about it. Even if they are watching the whole service, they can look at one balloon and say, that balloon is not supposed to be there. God wants to heal your household, but you're looking at the balloon that is not supposed to be there. That's the generation. So what happens when it's locked down? Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says that he starts upbraiding the cities. He tells them, War unto thee, Chorazin. War unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Zidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Zidon at the day of judgment than you. And thou, Capernaum, which thou exalted upon heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if thy mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until now. God is saying that what I'm giving you in your dispensation, some people received way less, way less, way less than you did. And he says, when I see how much you receive every week, every day, and I see just how much revelation the people of all were functioning in to do what they were doing, some of them were destroyed for nothing. If they had what you had, they would not have lost their way. That's why he's saying. That means that we're now in a generation that has too much. We're in a generation that has too much. You want to listen to anything, you go on YouTube and you can get any information you need. You want to get anything, you can go on Google and then get any information that you need. And because it's too available, they become so familiar and many of them cannot see its price. They've lost the wonder and think it's cheap because it's available. There was a day in the days of Solomon where gold was as popular as salt, even more than salt. He had so much gold in his day, that when you spoke gold in the days of Solomon, you were like talking about dust, it was everywhere. In 2021, we can see the value of gold. You see, you can see the value of gold. But in the days of Solomon, they did not understand the value of gold because it was a lot unavailable. That means an age can come, a period in life can come, where what you thought was common becomes so uncommon. You know, sometimes I feel sorry for you because you are overfed. And so you don't know what it's like to be thirsty. You don't know what it's like to look. Let me tell you, especially for those of you are in this nation, a couple of years ago, we had a generation that was lost. I'm telling you, in Uganda, you could not have 2,000 members attending a weekly service in 2014, 2013. Just like that. It was hard. It was rare. You needed to do too much to get it happen. You see what I'm saying? And God is doing things in our nation. Like I believe in different nations across the world. But you see, we have a generation that does not understand. Listen, those of you, wherever church you go to, know your leader. Before you say that you're going to submit to a man, ask God, who is he? When you say, oh, he's a good pastor. She's a good woman of God. She's a prophet. He's a good prophet. Ask God, who is the man or woman that you've sent me to submit to? Because by Jesus' words, many people didn't even know John in his generation. They thought he was just a prophet. Some people are not just men of God. They're not just men of God. Some people are just not women of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we have a generation that has so much, that's so much, that he no longer knows how to deal. That's so much, it's so painful. So we're praying now for a generation to understand how just blessed we are that some of us can hear these things now because there are people if they have heard the things that you are criticizing some of you the things that you are brushing under as useless in your churches there are people if they had heard those things their lives would have been changed so you have a group of people who appreciate and understand what God is doing for them. And you have a group of people who are so indifferent. That's the generation. May God help us. May God help us. May God help us. COVID was meant to make us stronger, not weaker. It was meant to make us better ministers, more praying people, 
the disconnections of not being able to attend service was supposed to make us priests in our houses, especially men. It's not meant to break us. And it won't break us if we understand where we are. But we refuse to be that generation that Jesus talked about in Matthew 11. We choose to do better in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That's why generations are heavy. People are heavy laden. I don't even know why. He tells them later in the verses, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, I shall give you rest. That means you're fighting with many things in the world that have no end or interpretation of life. And the more you seek, the more you say you're born again, the more heavier you become every day. Because perhaps you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know what you're seeking. Father, we thank you for your word, for the entrance of your word brings light and giveth understanding to them which are simple. And I pray and may you give us understanding in everything that we've shared. Help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. May no man feel condemned. May no man feel criticized. May every man and woman who has heard me feel the love of God that is trying to align them to the right course. Because we can only speak out of love. That's the place of an apostle. We don't know how not to. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you've never given your life to Christ, I to give you an opportunity. Just say this word. Say, Lord Jesus. I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.